Welcome to Wild and Exposed. Your number one adventure, nature, and outdoor photography podcast. Wild and Exposed is hosted by Mike Morrow, Ron Hayes, Jason Loftus, and Mark Raycroft. Thanks for tuning in. Welcome to another episode of Wild and Exposed podcast. We're half staff today. Myself and Michael Morrow, who's up in Anchorage, Alaska. I'm in Wyoming. Have not gotten out to shoot as much as I would have liked. I'd rather be there right now, but it's going to have to wait till next weekend. Michael, how about you? Getting out and about? I am plum tuckered out, buddy. It's been nonstop. And you know, you get out working and you don't have time to work out. So then you, that suffers and then you get out to actually go shoot and you're packing all this gear around and you're putting on the miles whoo it catches up with you but to answer your question yeah i've been getting out a little bit well every day apparently <laughs> if you if you know you lost a little bit of conditioning you know you're getting out but yeah i was in much better shape last year at this time but with COVID, it was easy, right? Because we all were kind of had an abbreviated schedule, so you could spend time working yeah. out or doing whatever. So, and you were out every day, so that definitely helps. Yeah, that makes a difference. I'm hoping that with the next, I don't know, thirty thirty days or so, I can be out every day and get back into shape, which would be really nice. Go into Thanksgiving mm-hmm. skinny. That would Maybe. be fantastic. <laughs> Maybe, maybe. It's been a while since I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> so I have to tell you, we did a podcast the other day. So we're doing a question answer podcast, right? Correct. And we did this same podcast the other day and it didn't record. So I'm going to have a leg up on you on the, I, I think most of them are going to be the same question. So I've heard them once already. But hopefully we can get, come up with some good answers and or at least good thoughts on some of these questions and and get it right this time. Something happened with the, one of our recordings last week, so we only had half of it recorded. That's no good. You were out busy on a, on a shoot, so it was just Jason I and was Mark and myself. On a, yep, I was on a commercial shoot last week in eastern South Dakota. Got to see a lot of buddies from college, which was nice, and... Uh, did it turn into a party um i wouldn't go as far as to say a party but it definitely (laughs) turned into a a catch-up session (laughs) lots of laughs were had that's good (laughs) that's always fun to do that before we get started actually today i got to give a shout out to uh cast gerwin or gervins sorry um he is a photography teacher back he's been a long time listener of the podcast he's in virginia and I got a text from my cousin that said he was showing images of guys from the podcast in class and her daughter recognized my name. And uh, so to Mr. Gervin's class, hope you're all listening now to Wild and Exposed podcast. And uh, thanks, Bree, for pointing that out. Well, I have a shout out too. I was traveling up the trail the other day, and I ran across, and he said he's met you, Steve Boyce? Yeah, Steve Boyce from Colorado. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was cruising up the trail on my bike, and I'm just by myself, and I didn't really think anybody was ahead of me, and so I'm 
come around the corner, I see some dude walking up with a monopod and a camera, and, you know, I just ring my little bell so I don't scare him or have him think it's a bear or something, and and he turns around, and he looks at me, he's like, you're Michael Morrow, <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> so it was cool, we got a chance to visit, and I got him on a big moose, and um, that was it, and then he he had to leave really early to go, he, I think he was doing a flight out to Katmai or something for a bear trip or just a really quick bear mm -hmm. viewing thing. So I didn't get to spend any more time with him, but that was cool. Yeah. He said he was, I just saw him down in Colorado. He said he was headed up there shortly after we talked. Yeah, so he said he got some smoking deals shoot. on uh, airline tickets. Yeah. Hey, one other thing before we get going and we did this on the last podcast, but um, we need to do it now. They still have the Wild and Exposed Adventure GoPro bundle at Precision Camera. So it's a smoking deal. You get 140 bucks off. And I think if you were to pay full price, it'd be like 497 or something like that. So you're going to get 140 bucks off of that. So you're basically going to get a couple of the accessories for free if you buy it through Precision Camera. So all you need to do is put in, what was that coupon code that we had? Do you remember? we gopro wasn't it i think so all lowercase or i guess it doesn't matter mm -hmm. uppercase lowercase so if any y'all is interested in i just saw that they came out with the gopro 10 so i don't this is a gopro 9 i don't know if they're gonna bump it up to the gopro 10 for the bundle or not but uh, something will keep you tuned in on as we go did you see anything on the gopro 10 is it that much different i did the old the biggest thing is there is a faster processor in it so like going through the menus and that kind of thing it's going to be a lot faster more responsive and then the biggest thing is it'll record up to 60 frames a second at 5k so that this one the nine i believe was 4k at 120 or 4k at 60 sorry 1080 at 120 and this one will do 120 at 4K, if I'm not mistaken. I think I did And 180 at, uh, at HD. But, it, you know, there's a, the bigger differences, I think, are more advantageous if you are a, like an adventure photographer, sport, or adventure sport kind of thing, action sports. Uh, because that's where it's going to make the biggest difference with the slow motion, doing wildlife getting any slower than 60 i think is not really advantageous unless you're filming cheetahs and you're putting it on the side of your car <laughs> yeah there i mean there's a time and a place for that stuff for sure so with wildlife it's you definitely can use it in certain situations but mm -hmm. for the most part i think you want to keep it regular regular speed so yeah well did you see uh so mike at precision camera he texted me the other day. He's like, hey, I don't know if you want this, but I'm going to put your name on a list because you generally buy the new Canons when they come out. He's like, so I'll put your name on the, what is the new one, the R3? R3. The R3 list. And I was like, okay, great. And I'm not, you know, if I didn't want it, I can just bump off the list. But right. sounds like a pretty good camera, so I'll probably give it a go, especially for some of the corporate stuff I shoot. But um, he followed it up with, but you're not the number per one person on the list. And I was like a little jab. He's like, but you're not the number one. And I was like, well, who's number one? Jason. 
Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jason got in there yeah. somehow. He's been talking to him for a while about it, I think. I don't know if I'm going to jump on it right away. And I'm scared not to because the way things have been going, you have that first wave. And then once all those are sold, it's a while before anything else comes out. The The specs on it are good, but they pretty much cut the resolution in half, which you'd expect because the like the 1DX series is always lower resolution. However, it's always sharper. And so you can blow those images up a little bit larger because it's so sharp. It's got the same Digic 10 processor, Digic X, um, 120 at 4K, uh, up to 120, and then it'll go up to 180, I believe, HD for slow motion. The biggest things that I've seen is the focus system is improved. It's a little bit stickier because, you know, that was one of the things with the R5 is it'll jump off of the subject once in a while. And this one supposedly is stickier. And looking at people who've had advanced copies, uh, Frono's photo and then Keith Ledzinski um, is another one that I saw that reviewed it and had it in his hand or has had it in his hand for a while. And he said birds in flight, that thing sticks to him like glue. Really? Well, so that'd it does be cool. Sound like that's an improvement, yeah. Well, I think it's worth getting, especially for, like I said, the corporate stuff I do, which a lot of times is pretty fast sports. And I mean, I, I would use it out in the field too with wildlife. I don't seem to get out to shoot as many stills as I used to, but it's still a lot of fun. And I think, what is it, 24 megapixels? 24, yeah, 24.4, I think. That's plenty. And I think a lot of people are cropping their images anyway, so they're probably ending up somewhere around there anyway, if, even if they have a 45 or a bigger megapixel camera. So I think it'll mm -hmm. be fine. So we'll have to see. Did you see the other announcement? I think you sent it to me, so I'm sure you saw it. But that that new RED camera is pretty sweet. Yeah, the V-Raptor. If you are looking for slow motion, that is the bomb no kidding right it does everything it's what, like the phantom killer 400 frames a second at, at i think uh, it, hd I, yeah 2K. 4k at 4k it was like 220 frames a second which is great because right now at 4k you only can get 120 and mm -hmm. at 8k i think it does what well right now at 8k i can do okay so it'll do 8k at 120 4k at 220 mm -hmm. yeah so that'd be pretty cool I mean, the 400 is great, but until I started shooting that Phantom camera this year, you don't really realize how much light you need to actually get to shoot 400 frames a second. I mean, if you're out there on a cloudy day, it, it's not going to happen anyway. So, you know, yeah, 220 is going to be enough. Yeah, because your shutter speed's got to stay at 1 800th. Uh, so yeah, I mean, there's going to be a light. lot of, yeah, there's going to be a lot of variables in there, and you do need a lot of light. So anyhow, that ought to be kind of cool. I would put my name on the list for, well, no, I would get one if I could get one, but that one I don't think you're going to be able to get for a while. Hollywood will snatch all those up. Yeah, it might be a bit. Although Hollywood, it's probably not the camera for them. I don't know. 
Yeah, I don't know either. Well, and I buy Hollywood. I just mean a lot of the heavy users of red stuff. Yeah. So it had. I like the con. You know, they changed the cards to be not proprietary. Well, I think they're still a little bit proprietary, but they're a little cheaper than the cards I use. It uses a CF Express. Is that correct, or is it CFast? No, I think it's a CF Express, and I think it has to be made by what that but angel it's just fire the angel, angel bird bird. Yep, angel bird red version of their CF Express. Yeah, which can be used in other cameras, but other manufacturers cards can't be used and they're still a little pricey but not horrible yeah i think 660 gigabyte is around 800 dollars. yeah something like that so. so anyhow enough camera talk but it's kind of what's out there right now and what's going on tis the season oh we should talk about one other thing is that the new iphone looks pretty sweet camera wise uh, i'm not I'm not looking at another iPhone <laughs> for at least five more years. <laughs> well, I've been going off the 10 for, I'm still on the 10. So what are they on now? This is the 13. So I think it's time for me, but that's why I was paying attention to it. Just, and it looks like the camera's yeah. kind of cool. It looks like they got a macro function in it and then they got, you know, they just got better sensors as they go. So it should be pretty cool. I can definitely tell a difference if I'm standing next to somebody that's got a, an 11 or a 12 they're definitely getting way better images than i get through my 10 i just got the 12 not long ago but i was still operating on the 8 so, so that was, was a big jump i skipped several versions and it was definitely a big jump i just saw a couple commercials that were actually filmed with the 12 i haven't seen anything with the 13 yet but the stuff that was filmed with the 12 looked pretty cinematic actually yeah, I think it'll be pretty cool. Mm -hmm. Especially for what we do, you know. If we're just doing a little blogging or blogging or whatever you call it, I think the iPhone is plenty good for that kind of stuff. In fact, yeah, I'm exactly. going to really make an effort to start doing some what's in my bag because it seems like every day my bag is different with these, these projects that I'm working on. So I thought it'd be kind of cool. I just stripped my bag down to about half of what I had in it. That's probably a good thing. It It is. I mean, after a couple of those commercial shoots, you kind of learn what you are going to need and what you're not going to need. And before, I didn't want to leave anything out because I just didn't know. And now I have a little bit better idea, and I'm using a slider. I don't. Uh, when we were out on that BBC shoot, uh, Tim used a slider on several shots, and it just adds motion to your shot and it gives a pretty neat effect and opportunities to be a little bit creative uh, so i am using it mostly primarily for interview type shots and then of course i'll use it in the field for wildlife when i can but it's primarily for the commercial stuff yeah it's tough to use it for i mean you can use it for a nature program type thing if you're doing scenery or small little things for sure because you have time to do it but big things is a little tougher it's not impossible but it's and you just got to have time to run those things because you can make a pretty cool shot mm -hmm. so we've got a few questions and some of these are a little bit uh, deeper 
Uh-oh. So we'll get we'll get to them. Uh, first one is from Craig Miller. So I wanted to surprise you because I knew you got to jump on a couple of the other ones. <laughs> so I wanted to surprise you with one or two. And I know you've worked with this a little bit, and I had a chance to work with it this summer. Uh, Craig's biologist in Montana. And he's asking about the use of GoPro in the field for research projects and, and for camera trapping type situations. Hmm. So I'll let you hit it first because I know you had some experience down south with that. Yeah, I think they're awesome. I mean, the video quality is really good. Um, as far as camera trap stuff, I think it's really difficult because I'm not sure how to trigger it. You know, how do you get a sensor to trigger that thing? So that would be the difficulty in a, in a camera trap that's going to be left out for longer than, say, an hour. So when I'm using them, I'm pretty much putting them out there and just hitting record and you know, it goes as long as the battery will go or as long as the card you have. So I think they're an awesome tool. I think they can be hidden really well. You don't really, you know, if I put a bigger camera out in front of an animal, they see it for sure every time. But if you put a little GoPro, a lot of times you can hide it enough that it's not going to impede what's going on. You know, you get more natural type behavior. So I think the older ones, the older GoPros are cool because you can go in and modify the software. So you can go into the root directory before the GoPro actually fires up and you can send it a whole new programming strategy or language or whatever you call it. And it tends to work really well, but then you're suffering on the image quality because you're using an older GoPro. So I don't know. I would yeah, say the, if you're going to be around, use them. The Hero 3 is the last one that you can program. Um, that is the one that we have the motion sensors for, for the project that I was on. I was using that and then um, the 8 and 9 are the ones that I was using. And I would, to extend the battery life, you can keep the door open and plug in an external, like a little brick battery. And that's something that you had talked about. And I did it. And I, what I did to keep it kind of weather tight is just put some gaff tape over the top of everything and then wrapped up around the cord. And my issue was not rain. My issue was dust. And I didn't, I wanted to keep the dust out of that door area, that battery area, because that's also where your card is. And I didn't want anything getting in there and becoming abrasive. Yeah, and cards. I think uh, another problem that I've had with the newer ones is heat. So, you know, when I drove up to Alaska in the van, I had one sitting in the windshield. And if we were driving mm-hmm. towards the sun, it would heat up and shut off. So you do have to watch that. But if you're using it out in the field, especially where you say it's from Montana, it's mm-hmm. going to be fine. You know, out there it would be fine. It would run. I bet you with a, what, can you get a 256 gigabytes uh, compact yeah, you SD can. card? Mm-hmm. So the bigger the card, and if you get a great big battery, I mean, you could potentially run probably, what, three or four hours. Yeah, and those files, for a 4K file, the file size is fairly small. And it goes, one limitation is it'll record four gigabytes at a time. However, it stops that file and starts another one almost immediately because I had a couple where an animal was coming out and I could see it like in the last frame or 10 frames or whatever of the the one file. And then 
where it picked up on the next file was almost exactly where it stopped in the in the previous one so you could just cut them together and it was pretty seamless you wouldn't really notice it with the human eye and sometimes that's good too for when you're editing you just know okay i let it run for three hours but i know there's only 10 minutes of activity you can go get those files that have the 10 minutes and then not store all the rest of that stuff it takes a little bit more time to chew through it and a camera trap would be better just because you're going to only shoot action when it's in front of the camera but right it is a good choice i think i i would love to i'm working on a project right now where i have to shoot um we're using the cam ranger and you know you have to just trigger it just to get a bigger camera to work out in the field so you either do a GoPro, I mean a camera trap, or you'd use this cam ranger because with the cam ranger I can monitor what's going on. So that's the best way to do it. But then, you know, every little thing has its issues. With that one, I just have to keep. It can't go to sleep. If it goes to sleep, the thing thing right. working. Then it disconnects. Right. So I just have to keep, you know. So as long as I have a battery in my phone and I have batteries on the device and I keep. You know, hitting a focus, just hitting something on the on the phone, on the app, it keeps everything awake. So that's a good way to do it too. But if I had a but, if I was on a budget and I wanted to run several cameras, I would just do the GoPro for sure. Mm -hmm. And I will say the GoPro may be responsible for getting my first credit on a large production. <laughs> because some of the stuff that we got you know it was it was set up pick the spots um and it was set up so that when the sun was coming up you got that those rays coming over the ridge and uh and then the subject just happened to join it just at the right time and so i think some of that is going to be definitely featured in the in the show well, and if you go listen to an older podcast, I'll have to look it up and I'll put it in the show notes, a link to it. But if you go look at uh, Shane Moore's podcast that we did, he I asked him. He shot everything from the old 16-millimeter film days all the way up to the Aries, the Reds, the DSLRs, the Pan, you know, G5, what everything. He shot it all. And one of my questions to him was, what's your favorite camera ever? And his answer was GoPro. So mm -hmm. that kind of says it all right there, right? Um, one of the things that I just saw or a tool to accompany your GoPro kit is a three-legged monster. And it looks like one of those suction cup setups, but it's not. It's a magnet. So you can put it on the side of your vehicle. You can use it to, to level itself if you're just using it as a small tripod um, because it's adjustable. But it is a great tool, and there's a lot of uses for it, hmm. from what I can see. It's very Send small. me a link, and I'll put that in the I show will. notes, too, because that would that. be interesting to check out. Okay. So that's, uh, that's, again, coming from Craig Miller, and GoPros are great tools. The one thing that I will say is there is a chance that there's been a breakthrough on being able to adapt some of these newer models. And I'm going to be on a call next week and find out exactly what they're able to do, what we can use it for, 
um, what applications it might work out for, that kind of thing. Um, but it looks like they've figured out a way to get through some of that. Well, that'd be cool. That would be yeah. awesome if you could set that up. And I know GoPro has some other stuff. Like when I was driving up, they had the, you know, we constantly talk about pre-record. GoPro has that in their app where you can do pre-record now with the GoPro 9, or at least we were doing it. I'm, I think they changed that app occasionally, but I think it's still in there. Yeah, the only problem that I had with the app is it didn't reach very far. Right. I don't know if that was just because of my Bluetooth or if it was if that's just the way it is, but it was only about 10 to 20 feet. Yeah, I think that's the way it is. What's our next one? All right. Thanks, Craig. Next one's coming from Chris Anderson. The question is, what is an unexpectedly useful piece of kit? Something that you bought that works great that you use often, but you wouldn't have thought of. Man, I probably had a really good answer the last time we did this, and I can't think of anything off the top of my head right now. What's one for you, and then I'll think about it. Uh, one that I've found is useful, whether it's wildlife or the commercial stuff that I've been doing, has been sandbags. Um, you can lay sandbags on the door of your vehicle. You know, if it's not real cold outside, real hot, you're shooting from your vehicle. You don't have to worry about those thermals. Uh, sandbags will give you a kind of a soft surface that'll form to the barrel of your lens and it'll give you a solid rest as long as the you know the wind's not blowing too bad and moving the vehicle side to side but sandbags are great for that the other thing that they're great for for wildlife is i've tried to incorporate something in the foreground a lot more and so that requires me at times to get a lot lower so i'll do the same thing i'll take the sandbag throw it on the ground and then i'll just slide it forward as i kind of belly crawl depending on the subject and it, again, gives me a good rest. And plus, it gets you just high enough off the ground to get over some of these prairie grasses. So it keeps your subject exposed, but not. it does give you that foreground bokeh that you're looking for. Man, that's a really good one. That is a, that is a perfect one. And I, God, But you wish you would have gone first, huh? Well, one thing that I just picked up that I've started using a ton is a little itty-bitty set of tripod legs. So it's a really, really very similar to what you're talking about, where you can get super low. But I've found that um, I use it a lot for camera traps, or not necessarily camera traps, for the cam ranger. So if I want to just set something up on a trail, it gets me low and it makes it kind of cool. But the other thing that i found that it's really useful for is, you know, a lot of us these days go out without a tripod. You know, especially if we're just shooting stills. Mm -hmm. And then you get this really awesome time-lapse opportunity, and then you're kind of out of luck if you don't have a nice, stable, flat, where you can get the horizon correct situation. So by having this little tripod with me, I can pretty much find a spot anywhere I'm at. And I can run a time-lapse, or I can do my camera trap type stuff. So that is the, probably one of the most recent ones that I've come up with. You know, the other one that I will say that is not necessarily equipment, but I picked it up when I was doing all these shoots down south earlier this year. Have you seen the, you know, the athletic um, 
t-shirt material that's kind of wicking. I don't even know what you call it. Mm -hmm. It's like an athletic t-shirt that if you sweat in it, it dries really fast. If it's light, so it doesn't get too hot. I've been using those and only I buy the version that has a hood and that works really well. I wear them almost every day now when I'm out in the field. Cause sometimes if you're trying to get warm, it's just enough to just take the wind off, but it's also good for, um, bugs and sun. So mm -hmm. not necessarily a hard piece of equipment, but it's something that for the last year I've pretty much been wearing one every day. So I've went out and bought three or four and they're not expensive, you know, 20, 30, 40 bucks, depending on where you get it. And I just have a different one for every day and it's proved to be really helpful for all kinds of reasons. That's, that's good too. That's helpful too, because you don't want to use some of the sunblocks a lot of times because your scent, you know, depending on what your subject is, you don't, it, it's got really strong order to it. So yeah, that and a uh, bug spray too has that scent. Yep. So for sure. So if you have those uh, pullovers, will alleviate a lot of that. And I have one that's impregnated with the bug spray, and it doesn't smell as strong to me, or doesn't smell at all to me. But obviously, the bugs can smell it because they do leave you alone. So I'm sure you know a coyote or a fox or a wolf or a bear is going to smell that thing no problem yeah i'll have to i'll put a show a link into the show notes i think i got mine from sims you know the fishing company mm -hmm. and i think they use them mostly to keep the sun off of fishermen when they're out you know fishing on the ocean or even in a river somewhere you know that sun bouncing off the water oftentimes gets you all sunburned but a lot of these guys wear long sleeve shirts and hoods and it's good for that, but I found with bugs and, and it can't be too terribly cold, but if you just got a little chill in there and you throw that up over your head, keep all that heat in, it works really well. Awesome. Thanks a lot, Chris. Next one is from Jackie Robodeau and uh, Jackie's been a long time listener of the podcast also. And this question might take a little bit more time. Oh no. Because it it's a it's a tough one. This is what was one of your most challenging shots in terms of gear, weather and or behavior of your subject. <laughs> I know that you got to cut through a lot of memory bank to figure that out. Oh, I know. You know, I, I mine definitely has to be video and it has to definitely be like an assignment. And I would say it almost happens on every assignment I go on. You get these lists, these equipment lists, right? Or, I mean, these shot lists. And they're always asking for the shots that you would normally expect, but then they're always asking for these almost impossible shots, and that's where it ends up falling into place. And I can't necessarily talk about specifics on those, but it always seems like it's like, how am I going to get this shot? And you know, how do you make it happen? And we're not using autofocus and we're using these big heavy cameras and we're trying to hide and we're trying to not be seen or smelled or all that stuff. And so it, it becomes very challenging to pick up some of these more, um, authentic behavior type shots. I can think of one that I've never been given the assignment for, but I've always wanted to try to do it. And I don't know, I've thought about it a million times to try to figure out how can I get this shot, but you know, we've been down doing the lizards before, right? Those collared lizards. Mm -hmm. 
when they get scared, they run on their back legs. So, and they just go trucking down the, the, you know, whatever, wherever they're going just to get away from the danger. And I thought, man, it'd be super cool if you could capture that on slow motion, just to see how they're actually running Mm -hmm. and just to see a lizard like that that's so colorful and it's running on his back legs to save his life. Um, You know, just think about that and just think about manual focus, being low enough, um, finding a lane where you know that that animal's going to run in the direction that you need it to run because you can't, you know, be really hard to set it up and not know which way they're going to go. You got to at least have that part of it figured out. So I don't know that I have an example of an image that off the top of my head, I'm sure there's been plenty of them, but what's one for you? Well, I think the biggest one is the one that I'm still working on. Um, (laughs) And that's what the meeting next week is about trying to find the, because the technology has got to be there for this shot, this particular shot. And it's going to take a lot of planning and I'm not sure we're going to get it this year. It may be a next spring thing, but it's still, that would still be in time to make the show. Um, But it requires very low light very confined space and being able to predict where they're going to be, where they're going to be moving. So it's a, it's a tough one. That's so much Um, of it. It's just, it's a, it depends, right? It goes along with our t-shirt. It depends. It's depends on all these scenarios to try to pull something off. And, you know, I would say if I had to say something that's been recent, it's the camera traps. You know, because again, you're predicting, you're trying to say, okay, well, I'm going to set up a trap. It's going to have a, an infrared or a, a passive motion sensor out in front. And then I'm hoping to capture this critter of some sort, this animal with this background and this light. And it just ends up becoming trial and error. And then, you know, sometimes you only get one or two shots at it. And other times you just keep perfecting it until you get it. But then, you know seasons change and so much changes with these animals that that's really tough Mm -hmm. yeah and it changes year to year so even if you go back you've got it in mind everything's right where you want it to go back the next year same season of the next year they're going to be a little bit different it's going to be in a little bit different spot the light's going to be hitting it a little bit differently at different times of day and so it's you almost have to start over every time you try to go get one of those shots or have one in mind. Yep. So one I don't feel like we I, did a very good job answering that because I think she was looking. No, for a I shot. don't because it's a difficult question. Uh, I I will say one of the ones that I captured that was difficult to get, and not because it was physically demanding or anything like that. It just had to be perfect. Um, was the mountain goat shot where his head was in the sun everything else was still in the shadow and it was because he was in this little cliffy bowl and there was no light in that bowl at all there was light at the end of it but he was feeding he started clear on the back side and there were a few goats in there and then he started to feed his way around and I kind of saw that if he stayed at the same level he was at he didn't change elevation at all. He was going to come out in that little spot of light. And it was just one of those wait and see. 
and hope for the best because there was really nothing else to shoot in all that shadow and sure enough came out right in that sliver and that, that worked out but you'll do that 99 times out of 100 and it'll turn out differently yeah well and as you were talking about that i came up with one that I, I think it's on my instagram feed but it's a a brown bear fishing in a river with the sun as a starburst and these mountains that low level it, shot low level shot and it's i think the challenge was is it, it was a brown bear and you just didn't want to be too close but you had to be pretty close because i was using like a 24 or some wide angle lens of some sort the interesting thing is we all go out there with these high-powered cameras and high-powered lenses and i ended up using a you know a, a lens configuration that a lot of people just buy from best buy you know and what made it challenging was just being no tripod no nothing just finding a flat spot laying right next to the water letting the bear walk by at whatever it was 10 12 15 yards Luckily, it was more important. It was more interested in fishing than it was me. But that was probably one of the most difficult shots that I've been able to get. And then trying to have the right aperture and the right everything to get that star, that sunburst kind of effect. That was a super challenging shot that just worked out. And that's something that you're never going to get if you approach a bear. And you can't anyway in a lot of the places that we photograph. That's one of those you've got to predict where they're coming. Yep. And that is a good one for that cam ranger if you can set that shot up. But even then, you can't set the focus because you're kind of at the mercy of where that bear is at the time he's in front of the lens. Well, here's the so good thing about the cam ranger is you can focus. So, oh, really? And they also oh, have you just this, touch it? Yeah. You, just, you basically have full control of that camera from your phone. So... You see what the viewfinder's seeing. You can tap on it wherever you want the focus to go. And then here recently, they've come out with this thing they call the PT head, pan and tilt. So out of the same app, they sell you this little head. I just bought one. I think it was like 250 bucks. So the same app that runs the Cam Ranger that allows you full control of your camera also has a little control so you can pan right, pan left, tilt up, tilt down. So that you are 100% correct. So if you, you are in an area where you knew, okay, bears are coming down the stream. There's no way I can be that close legally or for safety. You know, all these reasons why you don't want to be that close. You could set that thing up and guess kind of exactly where you think you want to be. But with the pan tilt head, you have a little bit of adjustment. And then you also have adjustment on your exposure and on your focus and everything. So you basically can run that camera from, and if you look at the camera, I think it's called the Cam Ranger 2. I was probably, the last time I used it, I was probably 50 yards away, maybe 75 mm-hmm. yards away, and it's worked flawlessly. So it's pretty cool. And you are exactly right. That would be the best, the best and safest way to get that shot. Yeah, and with a bear, the risk doing that is he may pack your camera off. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, with a moose, elk, or even a fox, you're probably not going to have that concern. But with a bear, that is definitely a risk. And it's happened probably plenty of times. Yeah, I had a GoPro um, get eaten by a bear this year. 
not eaten, not like swallowed, but chewed on, and then it just yep. dropped it. Was it in the housing? In the uh, the dome port? No. Well, I had them chew on that too. No, it was it was actual. It was actually just a camera that was screwed to a dive weight, and then oh. set set in the water. And it was I was trying to just get fish, but a bear ended up finding it and chewed on it. But the big cameras, for sure, it's definitely going to draw some attention. So probably just throw caution to the wind, I guess, and say this is a camera I don't care about. I don't know. Yeah, is the shot outweigh the right the insurance premium? <laughs> is the juice worth the squeeze? Yep. That's the only questions I could find. Oh, okay. Well, that's good because we've been doing we've been at this for forty five minutes or so, and it's mm-hmm. we've done pretty good. I so, had, what's your plan here in the future? You have another question? Yeah, I had one other one. Let me see if I can find it on my phone because someone asked me. Okay. Um, what was your What was your question? What does your immediate future hold? I know you're going to be shooting moose for a little bit. Yep. But are you heading back south or are you staying in Alaska? Yeah, my my schedule got really crazy really fast. It um I'll stay here through the middle of October, then I go to Atlanta for a shoot for 4 days, fly back to Alaska, and then I'm going to drive the van back to the lower 48 just cuz I want it down there in case I get some shoots over the winter where I can use the van. And October in Alaska is sketchy. So I'm a little bit worried about the Yukon and Alberta and all these places that I have to, BC, all those places I have to drive through in Canada with weather. But I'm giving myself like 10 days. So I made it up here in what, four days, I think it was. Mm-hmm. So if I have 10 days, you know, a lot shorter days now too. When I drove up in June, we had those seriously long days. So you could drive 12 hours of daylight easy. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, man, these days get significantly shorter really fast up here. So we'll see. So I, once I drive back, then I fly to Winnipeg, Canada for a couple days shoot. And then I go to Wisconsin for a seven-day shoot. And then I'm coming back up to Alaska for another shoot um, just for a couple days for that. And then after that, it's the holidays. So my schedule's gotten really busy, but it's all fun stuff. It's nothing to complain about. And, at least work's coming in, right? Yeah, for sure. How it's about you? different than last year. Yeah, I last year I didn't do anything. <laughs> leaving tomorrow for two weeks in Montana. And I'll get to do a little bit of wildlife stuff over the weekend that I'm gone. But the rest of the time is going to be all commercial. Well, that's how we all make it, right? I mean, that's what you're going to have yep. to do. It just There's just no way around it. And that's how I got to this point is just doing a lot of commercial work. And it was fun. I'm still shooting, right? It's better mm-hmm. than a, any other job I had. I wasn't shooting the stuff I necessarily wanted to shoot, but I had fun doing it. And then yeah, exactly. it slowly worked into doing the stuff I love to do. So, And all it right. pays oh, for the ahead. equipment. So, Right. Right, which is super important because as we've talked about on this podcast, there's just so many little tools and tricks and things that you need to make it out there. 
Mm-hmm. The good thing about the people I shoot for now is a lot of times if you don't have it, they'll rent it. Right. But that has its whole different set of challenges where a lot of times they're renting something that I've never used before and then it gets to be like, oh, and that's a whole nother thing to learn. And there's a learning curve, yeah. Yeah. It's fun, but then, you know, you want to do your best job at it. And sometimes if you're just doing it for the first time, it's hard to get it just right. Mm-hmm. So, so what was you, your last question? Well, I had it, but they were ones that you actually said, so I think we got it. One was the piece of unexpected piece of equipment, and the other one was the the challenge question, which we did. Mm-hmm. So, we got it. We done did it. Well, I think we will be a couple weeks out uh, after this one, so we'll have a couple of shoots in the bag between us and then i know jason's out right now and mark's headed out for a while so it'll be a while before we talk to him but we'll get back with jason here soon and then we've got several guests that i'm really looking forward to visiting with uh several international guests that are going to bring some good stuff that we have never talked about before and i'm excited to to get them scheduled but i know this is the toughest time of the year for us to do that so it's going to be probably a few weeks before we get some of those done but i'm excited for what the future of wild and exposed will bring you know i I was going to ask you guys and maybe we can ask the audience and they can respond on the website or instagram or something but i met a guy today who moved up here in the 70s to alaska and he moved up here as a 17 year old kid and just he's never left since then and he to some of the jobs and some of the stories from like the 70s all the way to now i mean i just thought that we we were waiting on stuff to happen Mid, midday light there wasn't a lot of stuff to shoot but we were sitting around waiting for good light and you just start talking to this guy and it's like some of these stories for me they're super interesting i just don't know if it's interesting to the our whole audience but maybe you guys can get back to us and let us know because if it is, I mean, I would love to sit down and chat, chat it up with the guy. And then he's like, oh, well, if you think what I got's interesting, you ought to talk to, you know, he gave me a list of like three other people mm-hmm. that would be fun to. So it wouldn't necessarily be photography driven, although he's a photographer, so we could we could skew it towards photography with that one. Some of his other guys that he was talking about or people that he was talking about, I don't know. I mean, like I said, for me, it's super interesting, but. I don't know if it would be interesting to the whole crowd, but let us know if it is, because we'll do it, if it is. It's either that or we start a whole new podcast, which would just be old-timer <laughs> stories. Stories from the North. <laughs> no, Yeah, just old-timers. <laughs> stories from love. the North told by people from the South. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, I just love talking with these people that have just done some wild and crazy stuff way before you know you and I were still... Who knows what we were doing? Yeah. So one other thing to bring up before we do go is the It Depends t-shirts are doing really well. So they're going, not tons of orders, but we get orders every week for them. Would love for you all to just check them out. Tell us what you think. Um, order some if you can. It helps the podcast out. We don't make a ton of money, but, it, but anything helps. So check them out and... 
let us know if you think you want a different style or a different whatever. I think there's a long sleeve shirt and a short sleeve shirt. And you know how Mark didn't want to do that shirt on the last mm-hmm. podcast that we didn't get to work because one of them, one of those feeds didn't record. I caught him saying it depends about 75 times. So it totally factors into what we do. Every answer we give, it seems like it depends. You can't get away from it no. because it does. <laughs> it just depends. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening to this uh, little bit abbreviated and half staff episode of Wild and Exposed podcast. Keep sending your questions and we'll try to get you some answers or we'll find the person that can if we can't. You've been listening to the Wild and Exposed podcast. If you haven't yet, please give us a rating and a review. And make sure you're subscribed so that you'll get every episode we produce as soon as we drop it. And as always, thanks for tuning in. Round around the world we'll go.